once again, folks, to my week with God. This is a place we come to share what God is doing in our lives. And we see the Lord in all his glory in the many ways he touches our lives. We thank the good Lord for platforms such as these, where many of us can come together from wherever we are and partake in God's goodness, more so in the times of the pandemic when we are unable to meet in person. It is my prayer that the Lord keeps us safe through this third wave of the virus. Two days ago, I listened to a sermon by a speaker that I follow on Facebook. Him and his wife are doing wonderful work for the Lord and are winning many souls to the kingdom. His sermon was on the life of Ruth. We know the famous story of how the widow Ruth and her mother-in-law, also a widow, had to go back to the land of Bethlehem where her mother had, mother-in-law came from. We learn of her struggle and how poor they had been and how she eventually marries Boaz and what a beautiful love story it is. The speaker taught about the lessons we could draw from the life of Ruth and one lesson in particular impressed upon my heart. This lesson related to how Ruth had remained loyal to her commitment to her mother-in-law and the commitment was to go wherever her mother-in-law went, to live wherever her mother-in-law lived and for her mother-in-law's people to become her people and that only death would separate them. This we find in Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. As we know in the story, Ruth kept her promise and returned to Bethlehem and did live there with her mother-in-law, even as she married Boaz. The speaker then asked a question that left me with a lump in my throat and a tinge of guilt. He asked if we are being loyal to the commitments that we've made to God and man. On reflection, I was reminded of a number of characters in the Bible that held fast to their commitments to God, even under very difficult circumstances. Job's afflictions were so great that in Job chapter 2 verse 9, we are told that his wife told him to curse God and die. But in verse 10, Job tells her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips, says the verse. Job remained resolute and believed that his day of relief would come. We have the story of Daniel. He committed not to eat food of the foreign land he was in, and even in the face of the king of the land, said no to this great food. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. This is what we learn from Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. And Daniel did not stop there. Even as him and his friends were cast into the fiery furnace, he stuck to his guns and his commitments to his faith. 
And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, we are told that, and this is what Daniel says, if this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What brevity. There's so many characters that we could talk about. Moses, Joseph, Noah, Rahab, Esther. Just to name a few. But the finger is still pointing to you and me asking what we are doing about the commitments that we've made to one another, let alone to God. Have we not committed to returning tithes and offerings, to evangelize and spread the word of God? Have we not committed to building worship centers and community outreach and enriched programs? And oh yes, We've committed to be faithful to our spouses, to bring up our children in the way of the Lord, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And wait a minute, how about those habits we need to drop, the addictions we need to shake off, and all other pet sins that we have vowed to let go? Indeed, we commit and we promise, but are we remaining loyal to the commitments we've made. I will be the first to admit that in a number of cases I'll be found wanting because I have defaulted intentionally or have allowed the issues of life to get in the way and I've neglected my duty. How are you doing? How do you rate yourself? I have purpose to write down a list of commitments I've made to God and to fellow men and will pray fervently over them that I may fulfill these the Lord being my helper come my friend let's ask God our father in heaven how great thou art the heavens and the earth testify of your glory may your name forever be praised we thank you for this time of communion and fellowship and we pray that our sharing may be edifying to each and every person that partakes of this word. Lord, we approach your throne which month confidence that your ear is inclined to us and that we may plead our case with you. We have made commitments to you and to our brothers and our sisters and we know that we've reneged on some of these. We pray, dear Father, that as we renew our willingness to fulfill these, We ask for your wisdom, for your guidance, and we ask for tenacity to see them through, no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in. We are often weak. We are tired and overwhelmed. Sometimes we are angry. We've been disappointed. We're despondent, and so many have let us down. But help us, Lord, that we may overcome these setbacks and remain focused on accomplishing these goals. May your glory and honor be unto your name when we've been able to overcome. 
We pray for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, dear friend, for spending this time with us. And may God continue to bless you and to touch your life. Remember to trust the Lord with all your heart and not to depend on your own thoughts and your own reasoning. And in all your ways and in all the things that you do, pay homage to the Lord and he will lead and direct you. For great is his faithfulness. And with each and every new day, we see his great mercies. All that we have and will ever need, his hand is sure able to provide. Great is thy faithfulness unto us, dear Lord. Till we meet again, stay safe, be blessed and goodbye. As usual, we meet here to share God's goodness and how he has showed up in our everyday lives. Whilst it's easy to see God in the big things, the victories, the miracles, and the breakthroughs, if we look more closely, God is very much in the small things too, the less obvious things in our lives. And if we don't look there, we might miss him completely. Let's look more closely to see that indeed God is with us always and all the time. I was listening to one of my favorite gospel albums and one of the songs that I had never really listened to intently ministered to me like I was listening to it for the first time. One of the stanzas uh, speaks to how the children of Israel had been crying out to God that they have their own king as the other nations around them had kings. The singer then says um, what the children of Israel didn't realize that in God they had the king of kings. How profound. The singer then says for us today we are constantly seeking for something to give us hope and something that we can believe in. And this manifests in our behavior as we chase after cheap thrills to fill this empty void that we have within us. We chase after money. We chase after fame, fashion, possessions, sex, drugs, you name it. Relationships, self-actualization. And this void just gets deeper and deeper and insatiable. Yet Christ says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 that behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Christ is extending an invitation to all of us that he can come and reside with us and within us. In verse 21, Christ adds that to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So we have this invitation from Christ that we may have a place of solace 
where we can live a life of victory over the troubles that we have in this world. But where do we lose it or where do we miss it? And how do we find ourselves in this very deep void and insatiable holes that make up our lives? It all points us to forgetting who we are and who God created us to be. We have an identity crisis and as such we worship and follow anything and everything that seemingly gives us hope and satisfaction. But we sink deeper and deeper into our search for this very, very elusive satisfaction. Let's remind each other though of how God or of whom God says we are and maybe we could be reminded of where we need to find our hope and our satisfaction. To start with, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. We have been created to resemble God and we know that God represents all things good. If we have been created in his image, we are to represent goodness and should strive towards achieving this in our own living. So we practice love, kindness, patience, empathy, fellowship, and so on and so on. Further to this, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are said to be royalty. And this reminded me of Prince Charles of England. He's the heir apparent next to the next in line to the throne. Does Prince Charles even know what supermarket his food comes from? Does he know how much a loaf of bread costs? Or does he struggle for anything at all? Does he not just partake of his mother's kingdom? These are the perks of royalty, isn't it? Of a chosen and a peculiar people. So if we are royalty of God's kingdom, why do we struggle for satisfaction? When according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So all that is on this earth belongs to our Father. All we desire, we can find in Him. All we need to do is to just go back to Him and ask. And God has promised to give us our heart's desires. The Word says to us, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. If our bodies are temples and the Spirit of God dwells, we're supposed to dwell in that temple, why do we abuse our bodies? The stress we put our bodies under, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the mutilations, bad diet skin bleaching, and so many other uh, bad habits that we have adopted. 
Surely the Spirit of God desires to dwell in a well-kept temple. Only then is the Spirit able to do its work in our lives and to bring us the peace and the guidance that we so desire. There is no denying that we live in a challenged world and it's not as if God is oblivious to this. He recognizes our challenges but gives us an assurance that though it is difficult, we can still overcome. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-9, to 9, the word says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And this is because, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Finally, therefore, my friends, let's seek to live lives of royalty, of a priesthood of the heavenly kingdom. Let us set a standard of a people that know their identity and know where they belong. Let us not be confused or forget about our roots and remember that this earth is not our home but rather as Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ indeed we wait on him for our daily living and we wait for him to come and take us home where we will have eternal rest from the strife that we live through now So let us pray. Our most gracious Father, thank you that you have designated us as royalty. Thank you that you've made us a chosen and a peculiar people. We are very special. Help us that we may never forget this and that we always remember our identity in you. You are our Father and we are your sons and daughters. We don't have to keep searching because we have you as the father of fathers and you are waiting for us to come to you and you will bless us with the peace that our hearts so desire help us to find our way back to you Lord in Jesus name we've prayed Amen thank you for your company dear friends and may God grant you the peace that can only come from him and let's remember to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. And in all that we do, let us acknowledge the Lord and he will lead and direct us in the way that we should go. Because great is his faithfulness. And with each and every morning, we receive new mercies. All that we've ever and will ever need His hand is sure able to provide. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto us. Till we meet again, friends, stay safe, sanitize and mask up, be blessed and goodbye. Welcome everyone to my week with God. As usual, 
We meet here to share God's goodness and how he has showed up in our everyday lives. Whilst it's easy to see God in the big things, the victories, the miracles, and the breakthroughs, if we look more closely, God is very much in the small things too, the less obvious things in our lives. And if we don't look there, we might miss him completely. Let's look more closely to see that indeed God is with us always and all the time. I was listening to one of my favorite gospel albums and one of the songs that I had never really listened to intently ministered to me like I was listening to it for the first time. One of the stanzas uh, speaks to how the children of Israel had been crying out to God that they have their own king as the other nations around them had kings. The singer then says, Um, What the children of Israel didn't realize that in God, they had the king of kings. How profound. The singer then says, for us today, we are constantly seeking for something to give us hope and something that we can believe in. And this manifests in our behavior as we chase after cheap thrills to fill this empty void that we have within us. We chase after money, we chase after fame, fashion, possessions, sex, drugs, you name it, relationships, self-actualization. And this void just gets deeper and deeper and insatiable. Yet Christ says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, that behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me Christ is extending an invitation to all of us that he can come and reside with us and within us in verse 21 Christ adds that To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So we have this invitation from Christ that we may have a place of solace where we can live a life of victory over the troubles that we have in this world. But where do we lose it or where do we miss it and how do we find ourselves in this very deep void and insatiable holes that make up our lives. It all points us to forgetting who we are and who God created us to be. We have an identity crisis and as such we worship and follow anything and everything that seemingly gives us hope and satisfaction. But we sink deeper and deeper into our search for this very, very elusive satisfaction. Let's remind each other, though, of how God, or of whom God says we are, and maybe we could be reminded of where we need to find our hope and our satisfaction. To start with, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. We have been created to resemble God, and we know that God represents all things good. If we have been created in his image, we are to represent goodness and should strive towards achieving this in our own living. So we practice love, kindness, patience, empathy, fellowship, and so on and so on. Further to this, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are said to be royalty. And this reminded me of Prince Charles of England. He's the heir apparent next to the next in line to the throne. Does Prince Charles even know what supermarket his food comes from? Does he know how much a loaf of bread costs? Or does he struggle for anything at all? Does he not just partake of his mother's kingdom? These are the perks of royalty, isn't it? Of a chosen and a peculiar people. So if we are royalty of God's kingdom, why do we struggle for satisfaction? When according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So all that is on this earth belongs to our Father. All we desire, we can find in Him. All we need to do is to just go back to Him and ask. And God has promised to give us our heart's desires. The Word says to us, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. If our bodies are temples and the Spirit of God dwells, we're supposed to dwell in that temple, why do we abuse our bodies? The stress we put our bodies under, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the mutilations, bad diet skin bleaching, and so many other bad habits that we have adopted. Surely the Spirit of God desires to dwell in a well-kept temple. Only then is the Spirit able to do its work in our lives and to bring us the peace and the guidance that we so desire. There is no denying that we live in a challenged world, and it's not as if God is oblivious to this. He recognizes our challenges, but gives us an assurance that though it is difficult, we can still overcome. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9, the word says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And this is because... According to Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Finally, therefore, my friends, let's seek to live lives of royalty 
of a priesthood of the heavenly kingdom. Let us set a standard of a people that know their identity and know where they belong. Let us not be confused or forget about our roots and remember that this earth is not our home, but rather, as Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us, that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we wait on him for our daily living and we wait for him to come and take us home where we will have eternal rest from the strife that we live through now. So let us pray. Our most gracious Father, thank you that you have designated us as royalty. Thank you that you've made us a chosen and a peculiar people. We are very special. Help us that we may never forget this and that we always remember our identity in you. You are our Father and we are your sons and daughters. We don't have to keep searching because we have you as the Father of Fathers. And you are waiting for us to come to you and you will bless us with the peace that our hearts so desire. Help us to find our way back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you for your company, dear friends. And may God grant you the peace that can only come from him. And let's remember to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. And in all that we do, let us acknowledge the Lord and he will lead and direct us in the way that we should go. Because great is his faithfulness. And with each and every morning, we receive new mercies. All that we've ever and will ever need, his hand is sure able to provide. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto us. Till we meet again, friends, stay safe, sanitize and mask up, be blessed and goodbye.